Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 376th edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. And we're broadcasting in what is now our ninth year across the world from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. And this is the place where technology meets entertainment. This is also our first live show for 2019. And I'd like to take this opportunity to wish everybody a very happy and successful 2019. I think it'll be a great year providing the administration in Washington resolves the trade war with China pretty quickly and solves the non-existent so-called crisis on the border. I believe we'll all enjoy a tremendous year this year with a booming economy and revitalised consumer confidence. Now, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg cops a lot of criticism and over the past few months, He's copped it from all sides over complaints that Facebook's not done enough to control the influence of the Russians and others to interfere in our elections, and also the misuse of data of Facebook users. And these stories get huge amounts of publicity, and uh, Zuckerberg cops fervent criticism. However, the contribution by Mark Zuckerberg and his paediatrician wife, Priscilla Chan, to education and to healthcare has been absolutely extraordinary and yet it receives pretty much no publicity. Mark and Priscilla Zuckerberg have donated five billion, that is five thousand million dollars for an ambitious biomedical research program called the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative with the goal of curing all disease within a generation. Think about that, $5,000 million. Now, related to the Chan Zuckerberg Institute is the Chan Zuckerberg Biohub, which employs top-notch scientists from Stanford, UC Berkeley, and UC San Francisco. And researchers are studying the wireless implantable brain device called the WAND, It's a $5 billion program which includes work on brain-machine interfaces and they're devices that essentially translate your thoughts into commands. Very tricky stuff. In a paper published in the highly cited scientific journal Nature a few couple of weeks ago, researchers detail a wireless brain device implanted in a primate, that's a monkey, that records, stimulates and modifies its brain activity in real time, sensing a normal movement and stopping it immediately. So scientists refer to the interface as therapy because it is designed to be used to treat diseases like epilepsy or Parkinson's by stopping a seizure or other disruptive motion as soon as it starts. The device is able to monitor the brain while it's providing the therapy. It identifies exactly what's happening. Now, you think about that. It's pretty clever. 
a little gadget attached to your brain that as soon as your brain does something abnormal, it moves, steps in and stops it. Now, the application of brain-machine interfaces are far-reaching, very far-reaching, while some researchers focus on using them to help people with spinal cord injuries or other illnesses that affect movement. Others see them as transforming, transforming how everyone interacts with laptops and smartphones. Now, both the secretive division at Facebook as well as an Elon Musk-founded company called Neuralink, they're also working on the interaction between laptops and smartphones and your brain. Facebook's secretive hardware group made the armband that transforms words into understandable vibrations and lets people hear through their skin, a key part of the company's bigger plan to embed computers in our bodies. Now, the brain device they call the wand changes behaviour automatically. Placed on top of the monkey's head, the wireless palm-sized device is connected directly to its brain and can record, stimulate and modify the primate's behaviour in real time. So that's pretty incredible. So if we're going to rip Zuckerberg for some negative things, let's at least give him credit for the great things he's doing. Now, do you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter? We now have about 1.8 million daily subscribers. It takes just 30 seconds to read every day. And each day we tackle a different subject from advances in medicine to new apps to new technology to subjects like Hyperloop, autonomous cars and blockchain. In fact, we're just going about now uh, putting all of these newsletters, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of them, into categories and uh, displaying them on the website. So that'll be somewhere people can go for information. In today's newsletter, we talk about how cheap gas provides a really powerful boost to consumers. But plunging energy prices can also have very negative consequences for the economy. The average 2019 gas price will be around about 2.55 a gallon, which is 56 cents a litre. But the American oil and gas industry supports 10.3 million US jobs. And if the price goes down much further, it could cause a huge job loss and disruption to the economy. So the newsletter is an absolutely must-know piece of information, and it shows that you need to be careful what you wish for. It's really easy to get the newsletter. Simply go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and enrol. And it's also easy to get off. You just simply go to the end of the newsletter where it says unsubscribe, click on it, and you are instantly off. None of this you know, not like these um, sites that make it really hard for you to get off. Now, the advances in your viewing options are fantastic. With Samsung's 2019 range of televisions able to access and play your iTunes movie and TV show library. How about that? You'll also be able to buy and rent content from iTunes directly from your TV. The content will be available through the dedicated app which will debut exclusively on Samsung TVs. The TV will also include support for AirPlay 2, which, as you know, is Apple's wireless streaming standard. 
the iTunes movies and TV shows app. They'll be available in 100 countries on Samsung's 2019 TV models. And this is the first time that Apple's allowed third-party devices access to its video library outside of Windows PC. It could also be a prelude to video streaming service that Apple is also extending out to 100 countries. Samsung's smart TV ad tracking features can't track viewing usage within the iTunes movies and TV shows app. In another example of Apple's focus on privacy. So while Apple Music currently competes with the likes of Spotify, the rumoured streaming service will have Netflix in its sights. It'll reportedly offer an unlimited model of streaming content for a single monthly subscription. And Apple is also ramping up its efforts to produce original video programming similar to Netflix originals. They've been spending a lot of money on studios here in Southern California. Meanwhile, AirPlay 2 support will be available in 190 countries and allow content such as videos, photos, music and podcasts to be streamed from Apple devices directly to Samsung televisions. It'll be joined by Google's assistant on the company's 2009 TVs. Wow. So Apple's Senior Vice President of Internet Software, Eddie Q, said, we look forward to bringing the iTunes and AirPlay 2 experience to even more customers around the world through Samsung smart TVs. So iPhone, iPad, Mac users have yet another way to enjoy all their favorite content on the biggest screen in their house. So, and healthcare has been the last remaining industry to hold out against the unstoppable wave of digital disruption. It's hit everyone else, but no longer. Consumer adoption of digital tech, regu regulatory overhauls and a shifting reimbursement model, they're forcing healthcare companies to make radical changes. Digital health innovation is permeating every corner of the healthcare industry, offering marketing Market incumbents, all the old guys that have been sitting there ripping us off for years, new opportunities to combat constricting margins, labour shortages and rising costs. But this digital transformation also poses a threat to the legacy companies. As new entrants lean on their digital prowess and lack of legacy infrastructure to cut costs and remain very nimble. So incumbents are turning to acquisitions, partnerships and new investments to try and strengthen their digital healthcare services. All of the healthcare industry's major players, including payers, providers and manufacturers, are being affected by healthcare's digital disruption. Digital health's at the forefront of transformation in the healthcare industry. You know, both as, as a driver of these changes and also as an answer to the challenges that industry players are trying to grapple with, the public demand better service and cheaper healthcare. And a confluence of forces have created healthcare's embrace of digital health, including consumer expectations, as I just mentioned, a new and disruptive reimbursement model and rising healthcare costs. I mean, doesn't it cheese you off when you go to a hospital or a doctor's and you've got to fill in the same information in the same forms 10 times? 
You should be able to do it once in your life and it all should be there. So we need digital healthcare solutions desperately. And uh, key digital healthcare solutions like electronic health records, digital therapeutics, telehealth, artificial intelligence, wearables, and blockchain, they're the foundations of the industry's digital awakening. Now, the evidence that digital health can address many of these issues is illustrated by the fact that overall funding for digital health hit $6.8 billion in the last quarter last year, $6.8 billion just on digital health. Now, my guest after the short break is Tim Wales. You will love this guy. He's the CEO and co-founder of Kadima Ventures. Uh, it's a rapidly growing, amazing company that should be of interest to every single entrepreneur. Tim's a great guy and he's got an absolute winner of a business. Now, if you're an entrepreneur, you must listen to this interview. And this is Bob Pritchard broadcasting across the world this week from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. And I'll be back in just a moment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Over the last eight years, gee, it doesn't seem like that long, we've given you an insight into the lives of some of the world's most interesting business people. We've talked about the services they provide how they came up with the idea, the challenges that they faced. And I guess underneath it all, we try to work out what it is that makes them tick. Because only about 2% of businesses, particularly startup businesses in this day and age, are successful. So we try to find out what it is that those 2% do that works, that the 98% don't do and fail. So, you know, everybody that's an entrepreneur faces the same issues, although we all think we're, you know, there's something peculiar to our industry or our environment, but we all face exactly the same issues and challenges. It probably doesn't seem like that at the time. So by listening to segments like this, 
and reading biographies of people who are successful and getting getting your hands on as much information as possible and of course making sure that you have good mentors you can overcome a lot of the problems that um, cause companies to fail now Tim Wales is the CEO and co-founder of Kadima Ventures he's an inspiring guy he leverages his passion and experience to make others successful which is very cool and he's a, a visionary and an exciting entrepreneur he's got a proven talent for technology ingenuity he's uh, focused on helping emerging companies in a collaborative setting while also designing and building custom enterprise business solutions now tim understands the critical role a driven and accountable team dynamic plays in accomplishing and exceeding its goals. If you don't have a really driven team, and if you're not accountable, you won't be successful. So whether it's aiding early stage technology companies to get to the next level, or revolutionizing the way they're funded, Tim never stops thinking forward, and he works really hard to expand his connections and challenges his already impressive achievements. He's a real goer, this guy. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You're being heard right around the world. Thanks for having me, Bob. Excited about this interview. Um, Kadema, it's a rapidly growing company. I was looking at um, your history, and it's got four divisions, an R&D for technology, which I think is a fantastic idea. I've often had people bring me ideas that look great, but not quite finished, or they, you know, there's a bit of a weakness in them, and uh, I could certainly use someone who looks at the R and D. You have a consulting division, marketing and services division, and you also have a foundation, which I think is the measure of a great company. So, what's your overall mission, Tim? Where do you see yourself going? What are you trying to achieve? Well, you, you inspired what I wanted to, uh, how I wanted to answer that, Bob, when you, when you said only 2% of early stage companies actually make it or even survive. And you know, one of the key components in our mission is how do we get that to 4% or 5%? And, and we've studied it and we've, we've jumped around the world. And, and our goal is to solve very complex early stage idea problems. How do we solve the early stage funding problem? How do we solve the fact that entrepreneurs struggle with leadership? They struggle with what are they even selling? And then most importantly, you know, capital and, and how do they fund their company? And you know, something we learned in this whole process that, you know, that 2% that succeed, one really common feature they all had, they knew how to sell something. They knew what they were selling and they could get out there and actually sell it instead of sitting around waiting to raise capital. So, you know, the mission is, is pretty broad, um, but, Ultimately, our goal is to, to build a large R&D city, like a smart city that focuses on execution for early stage ideas. Okay, so somebody, somebody walks into me and says, I've got this idea and here's a rough, um, a rough design of it that I've knocked up in my garage. I take it to you and you say, yeah, it looks like it might be a worthwhile idea. How does... What happens from there? How does the um, how do you charge? Um, what does the um, entrepreneur need to do? 
Yeah, so, you know, if they get in and, and, and to get into our system, it's, it's, it's strictly referral. You can't apply. You have to know somebody or, or Bob, for example, you might know somebody and you refer them over because you know, we believe in you and we know you, you support entrepreneurs. And the first thing we do is we assemble our brainstorming team. So like a think tank and that think tank um, does a, a multitude of things. They first look at the idea. Uh, analysts will go out and start searching the market to see who else is doing that now, uh, all the way to the point of even the big guys. And then uh, at the culmination of that, we come out with almost like a due diligence report, not from a financial perspective, but from a feasibility perspective. Um, and you'd be surprised how many entrepreneurs bring an idea to us and they don't even know what their competition is. So it starts with that think tank. And, and sometimes in that think tank process, we get to realign what their idea is or just even validate if it's even worth going. So, you know, sometimes it's pretty disappointing. You have to, you have to be the bearer of bad news not in a bad way because perseverance and good leadership, you can go and competition is good. But sometimes they're not aware that, you know, you can't compete in a certain market. It's just not, you're not going to raise enough money. Um, so how do you realign or pivot, right? Yeah. So it starts with a think tank process and, and then we come up with a plan of execution. So how does, what does it cost the entrepreneur? Nothing. It's free. As crazy as that sounds. We're, we're kind of like Robin Hood. The more the big companies keep getting involved with us, it, it is. I mean, we build for the big guys because you know what? You know what the big companies is? Here's a little secret for entrepreneurs. The big companies out there struggle with entrepreneurial spirit. They're all trying to figure out how to make more money and new ideas. And they need entrepreneurs more than anybody out there. So we like to take those ideas sometimes. And part of that little brainstorming and think tank session is we go out to our corporate partners and we say, Hey, are you doing anything in this market? Uh, we don't give them the idea, but that tells us if we find that corporate partner that's doing, or we think they're doing something similar to that entrepreneur's idea. And we just give them a little bit of insight. Sometimes maybe that corporation might be funding that project, right? Or we might go to them and say, hey, here's an idea that we have through our think tank. You know, why don't you guys fund a big corporation? Then all of a sudden that entrepreneur is funded. So look at solving early stage funding completely differently than everybody else's is, is really ultimately what it does. We get to build for the big guy and we take five to 25% of our net revenue and that's what covers that cost. So we don't have to charge that entrepreneur. That's, that is great. It's amazing how many entrepreneurs will say there's absolutely no competition to this um, product because they've looked it up on Google and can't find anything. And uh, they forget that people like me, the first thing we say to somebody who's got a great idea is, until you're ready to go, do not put it up on the web. Do not go and advertise it or promote it because somebody will nick it. And so yep. they're looking for something that isn't out there. <clears throat> so what's your own experience as an entrepreneur? How did you start? Wow. So uh, that's where I get goosebumps because we can go down a, a journey here. Um, you know, I started early on in my career. I, I went to massage therapy school. I understood a massage business when I got burnt out in business when I was living in New England. But the big one is my, my wife and I got together. She left American Express as a senior job because I was, I was helping build a company as a consultant. And I realized they weren't they didn't own their own software. They're renting somebody's software and they're about to go public. So I made my first investment in that company. And uh, long story short with them is we started building the product and they weren't paying us. They ended up getting in trouble, um, all types of things. So we went into business for ourselves overnight with no experience whatsoever. And everything that possibly could go wrong went wrong. I got hit with my sure. first patent troll within six months of, uh, of, of, 
the product wasn't even making a dollar. I had three offers to buy the product before we ever made a dollar. I um, ultimately exited the company, but the gentleman that purchased the company was from Texas and used their legal system to during due diligence to find out that there was a UCC one. And instead of paying us the money, he privately negotiated with the company and took the company all the way to the point that we even confronted them for soliciting my wife and I for sexual relations and, and showed up at our office and held me at gunpoint. So I've been through things that uh, my passion is because I don't want entrepreneurs to go through that. If we could solve what I went through through experience and, and sharing those experiences, I, I think it brings a lot of value and, and leadership for me. Um, I turned 42 years ago and it dawned on me, everybody kept saying you're a great leader and, and I appreciated that, but I didn't know how to say thank you, right. but I have to stem my leadership skills from, I spent five years in the Marine Corps, the United States Marine Corps, okay. and I didn't, I didn't value the leadership traits and skills they gave me and how important they are in an entrepreneurial type setting. So the, the Marine Corps would have given you discipline, and that's and that's what's lacking with a hell of a lot of entrepreneurs, isn't it? Just oh yeah, oh yeah, and they, just discipline. And I work. You know, everybody knows I'll work just as hard as them, if not harder. Um, you know, like yesterday, we we went out to the U.S. Food Bank, and we did a team of ten of us from the company went out, and we we sorted four thousand pounds of food in under two hours. Wow! And you know, you know, I push harder than them, which. Ultimately, they push harder, and we wiped all the food out that needed to be sorted in two hours just because of that drive, I believe, because of that drive. Right. So if I come to you with a new idea, I also get a fantastic massage, right? Oh, yeah, of course, of course. My wife doesn't get it because it's kind of like the shoemaker, right? That's why I had to leave the industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what, what sort of range of experience has your team got? I mean, if I come in with something – really off the wall um, do they have the experience to realize if there's a niche for it or not yeah so uh, believe it or not we have about 100 to 190 uh development contractors around the world working for us any given time. And, and, and that's part of our consulting arm. We have a consulting arm so we can scale up and scale down. What we do, if that entrepreneur, if we like your idea, how do we invest, right? We invest by paying resources. We have the top-notch team with people that have experience in your field um, actually execute with you and for you. Um, so you know, to answer your question more depth, um, how do we, experiences we have go from artificial intelligence to product development to semiconductor. I mean, I, I can honestly say for the past four years, we've built relationships, corporate big relationships in almost any ver every vertical market. We're up to 17 vertical markets right now from agriculture to artificial intelligence. We were doing blockchain before people knew blockchain was even important. Right. So, what a couple of the problems that an entrepreneur faces. First of all, if you have a great product, um, getting the money to develop it is a problem. But the second problem is yep. taking it to someone like, let's say, you've got a new messaging app, for example. Um, trying to get it into an Apple or someone is impossible because one, they won't, they won't look at them. And uh, so you guys remove that obstacle right because you've already got the contacts there and you can walk the product in if it's you know providing it meets all the criteria you can walk walk the product in which is impossible for an entrepreneur 
you, you got it. And, you know, you take a messaging app. It's a great example. You know, in our brainstorming session, we would probably eliminate a messaging app because it's an oversaturated market. There's no money really to be made right now unless you're really doing something res- uh, revolutionary in messaging. I mean, look at Google. Google right now is shutting down Hangouts and others are shutting down their messaging apps, but there's still a fight for who controls it. So uh, to be really frank, there's more than likely a messaging app would never even make it into our product as an example, right. because once again, it's an oversaturated market. But, you know, for us, you know, we're trying to release, how do you create a messaging app that is next uh, uh, next generation. And, and it's funny because we have internal products and systems that we're going to release free to the world, like a messaging app, like uh, some other, like e-signature. You know, I, I hate to say this online, we've been working on e-signature for years because why are we paying a company over a dollar to sign our signature digitally? So we said, forget that. Let's use blockchain and advanced technology and let's provide it to the world for free. So we're going to provide e-signature and that's going to disrupt companies like DocuSign and HelloSign that are, are honestly in my, I mean, yes, they're, they're viable business models, but their time is limited because the world is changing. Right. So... What kinds of advanced technology solutions do you leverage to support your clients? I, I would say, you know, the, the hottest ones right now is artificial intelligence and blockchain. Um, you know, finding real use cases for blockchain outside of cryptocurrency. Um, you know, every major player. It's very interesting to watch this happen where four years ago we were talking about the importance of blockchain and, and investors and people would say, oh, you mean cryptocurrency? No, we mean the underlying in essence, operating system or, or ledger system that yep. puts technology and gives technology accountability. We were doing it over four years ago. Nobody could grasp it. And now everybody from IBM to Microsoft to Google are all doing what? They're filing patents and they're, they're doing this and that for blockchain. They're trying to take the lead. And, and that is one of the challenges. They can get a, the patent was to help the little guy, right? Yep. But the big guys will swallow them up. And, and there's certain patents that are out there that we actually have drawings for use cases prior to those guys, those big guys getting their patent. But once again, like you said earlier, you got to keep some things quiet until you're ready to hit the market because, you know, this world is all about shutting others down, right? So, so they don't lose market share and they can swallow you up just on the legal side. They can eat you alive. Yeah, and the, you're right. The number of um, different applications for blockchain is extraordinary. In the last few weeks, I've interviewed um, a company that's using blockchain to distribute aid in Africa. I've, a, a company that is um, registering art so that um, it can't be, you know, you can tell whether it's a forgery, you can trace the um, provenance of it. I mean, it's just extraordinary how many applications there are for blockchain i i got into crypto very early so um um and i was doing really well 12 months ago i'm still doing really yeah everybody well. everybody was. i got i gotta admit i'm still doing really 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 well but uh, nowhere near as well as i was 12 months ago um yeah. so tell me about your um kadima innovation fair you, you had one last year so or this earlier this year so what is it yeah, so we, we, uh, we, we knew it was important if we're going to change early stage funding. I mean, you've, been to, you've, you've probably talked to people that do pitch events and demo days. Yeah, you've done a lot of them yourself. They don't, it, 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 investors, for example, really aren't interested in that model anymore. They are because that's, you know, that's the, the status quo. 
but investors want to be entertained. And, and most importantly, going up and doing a two minute or five minute pitch to an investor, anybody that's a real entrepreneur knows an investment doesn't happen until there's the actual interaction. You get to interact with that investor and they get to know who you are and what you are. Yeah. So the innovation fair was designed in a, in a unique fashion to actually use like a digital token system where we assigned all of our guests. We, we had about a hundred startups set up out on a trade show floor. We charged them nothing last year and all the different investors, we basically, they got there and we issued them digital tokens. So like digital coins. Right. And then we encourage them to go out on the floor and engage with the entrepreneur and those entrepreneurs were fighting for those coins. So we simulated how to use a digital currency in exchange for almost equity, just a simulation to get investors used to it. But what was most important is we were solving that, that, that problem that we saw that the demo day model isn't really working anymore. The investor needs to get in front of them. And it was great to see dialogue happening between an investor and an entrepreneur, just because that entrepreneur knows they're fighting for those coins. And we gave the investor something that isn't their own money to give. Right. And then you, you broadcast that. So the innovation fair really has three target audiences. We call them elites. And those are your people that have the ability to make a change in a company. So if it's financially, if it's a corporation, whatever it may be. So a corporation is another one. Uh, and then entrepreneurs. So if a corporation sees that investor A is giving a bunch of tokens to entrepreneur A, and that corporation happens to be present, and we're broadcasting at, the, at this event that that's happening, well, what's the likelihood of that corporation when we call them up and say, hey, did you see that company over there? How many investors were interested in them? Now we've just hedged their risk of possibly a corporate yep. partner slash yep. investor and an investor. So, you know, it was really to, to change the way those type of events happened. So do you also have, if, if I come to you with, a, with an idea, do you also have advice on uh, um, IP protection, for example, things like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, Hey, I'll give you a little, little info here. Incubation acceleration across the country. If you go into incubators, they're at 5% occupancy, according to the Kaufman report, yeah. pretty poor. And most of them have been kind of swooped up or, or universities have taken them over and universities, are the worst commercialization. So answering your question on, do we help you with IP? What we noticed in all those incubators and accelerators for two years, we just went out and visited them, talked to them, helped entrepreneurs for free. But the most important thing we learned is none of them could execute. So our whole model is a different type of model. And, and it's amazing to hear that when other people tell us that, where if we take you in, our whole focus is on execution, which the accelerators and incubators don't do. So we have legal expertise and that might be something that we're paying for. We have developers, we have project managers, we have designers, all the way from even 3D, like professional 3D designers. We even have somebody that's coming on board that has done over 200 movies. He does all the artwork for, for major, major movies like Disney and they're tired of Hollywood. So if you take that, a guy that can storyboard like that, well, is he going to be able to tell that entrepreneur's story better through visuals than the entrepreneur can? Absolutely. I, I can tell you he does. Yeah, so, sure. so it's really, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's pretty amazing. But our real, real, real focus for that entrepreneur is execution. It's a long-winded way to answer your question. But, yeah, we're going to get them to think about how do you protect it, but then how do we give you the money now before you go put it out in the market and you're battling a big guy like Google before you've protected your IP, because trust me, they can get it. They can they can process things way faster than you can. 
yeah, yeah. I was um, I was talking to a um, a major player at Oracle a few years ago, speaking on the same bill, and we were having lunch, and uh, he said, um, "If you think you've got an idea." And you're protected because you've been working on it for two years. Let me tell you, I've got 20,000 engineers around the world. We could start working on it today, have it um, re reverse engineered by Friday and have it on the market worldwide by Monday through all of our distributors and you're screwed. So, And, and, and you know what else? They don't, have to, they don't have to raise money. Yeah. <laughs> they already have the money. Yeah, exactly. And they have the distribution. They have everything. So you got it. it's amazing how many entrepreneurs say, I've been working on this for two years and it, you know, I, I've got a real head start. Well, guess what? You don't. <laughs> no. So no, you're, yeah. how do you determine um, who the entrepreneurs are that's at the um, Kadima Innovation Fair? So it's interesting. We, we um what we did last year is we sent these silver coins out that on the rim of the coin had a uh, serial number. Right. We sent boxes them out to incubators in multiple states and, and accelerators and universities and said, hey, just invite your most innovative company. Um, that wasn't our focus. Our focus was get to the elite members there and have everybody else create the momentum so as the, the event keeps progressing, um, others are submitting their most innovative companies. So we only invited actually two companies ourselves out of the hundred everybody else invited companies right. um so same same process this year it's, it's like you bob you know we, we want you to say hey I, I just interviewed this guy he would be perfect for the innovation fair and you know we would invite him because you invited him and then we promote you because you invited him and and for us it, the key is to get as most innovative and disruptive companies as possible there um, so it's starting to get overwhelming. We, we're, we're getting a lot of people reaching out to us to be involved. So we have to say no to some now, you know, and, and this is just our second year doing this. And this year it's, it's much bigger. I mean, we've got people like USA Today, Gannett. I was just on the phone with Cox Media right before this, all trying to find their way in to our event. And we, we created mystery. That's it. We created curiosity, imagination, and that's all entrepreneurism is. So you, you, this year, still sticking with 100 entrepreneurs? Uh, no, we're actually doing more this year uh, and more corporate partners. We're introducing uh, possibly a hackathon this year, a little e-sport event. Um, but uh, the target is uh, a thousand of those elite VIPs. Right. Uh, and then, you know, about 150 to 200 startups and early stage innovative companies. So we're, we're, we're last year we had 5,000 total in attendance, 600 VIPs. And this year our target is 10,000 in attendance and a thousand of those those VIPs. So can people like me attend if I said, wow, I'd like to go along and have a look at this. How, do, how does one get to attend? Yeah, so we're going to be releasing a bunch on social and different media. Uh, the one difference this year we do have to do is we are charging. Um, now, if you get our 2019 uh, black coin, um, which we'll send you out on Bob because we'd love to have you, uh, you'll be able to put that in like a promo code and you won't have to pay. But the, the number one feedback we received in our surveys after last year's event is charge 
because what we got was so beneficial. I mean, we, we got, I, I go, I'll, I'll travel to New York. And this was an event that we made it hard to get to. And somebody will walk up to me and say, hey, I noticed that Kadima logo. I was at your innovation fair. I was just on an interview the other day and the person was at our innovation fair. I don't even know this person. So that to me is pretty amazing. So, so you can go to, um, it's kadima.ventures forward slash events and all the information is going to be there. Ticket, tickets don't go on sale till January. Right. Um, and we're going to be giving out promo codes for those misinnovative companies because we, I don't believe entrepreneurs should have to pay. Yeah, they already I'm, don't have the money. They've got enough problems already. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when is it? So April 4th and 5th of this year. So it's a two-day event this year. We'll be, uh, we're dabbling. Last year we had an amazing concert to wrap it up and celebrate entrepreneurism. Uh, this year we're looking at doing two nights of concerts. So, so the other feedback is instead of one day, right. move to multi-day. And uh, one night we're going to celebrate uh, entrepreneurism through an after party. And let, that's when the networking happens, right? That's where, you know, getting back to what I said earlier, letting those VIPs interact with people when they're, when they're celebrating, having fun and have, you know, business happens even more. And then the second night we're going to, we're, we're working on a unique gala approach to raise money for uh, STEM education right. and entrepreneurism. Um, so, April 4th and 5th, right here in Arizona. Arizona, okay, April. Yep. Weather would be quite pleasant in April, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody wants to come here in April, and, and you'd be surprised how many big speakers don't mind coming and waiving their fees just because it's a great time of year to be in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, I, the, this radio network is based in Phoenix, and it seems to me it's either way too bloody hot <laughs> yeah, I, I talk to them and they say, "Jesus, 110 today," and you know. <laughs> so that sounds like a nice time of the year. So where where do you hold it on your campus? Or? No, so so we're we're having a special unveiling this year about the campus, but we're going to be holding it down at the Phoenix Convention Center. We actually okay. took one of the full buildings over. Uh, there'll be classes. There'll be uh, pretty high impact speakers from seventeen different vertical markets, from automotive to agriculture to aerospace, talking about innovation to inspire those entrepreneurs on on what those bigger companies and those bigger speakers are looking for and where they see innovation going. They. The coin invite is interesting, well, certainly really different. Why do you think that's a better way to go than just issuing like a regular invitation? Just well, you different? know, la yeah, we, we felt with what we were doing and the structure of our event the first year, it was going to catch on very quickly. But nobody knew who we are. So we worked behind the scenes. You had to know us to get into us. So we created, you know, you, you take the FOMO approach, fear of yep. missing out. Yep. And, and, and it started to go viral. Now people ask us for coins. And, and it's actually, you know, when BizDev is out there talking to an elite member or a high-impact person, they pull out that coin. Um, challenge coins stem from actually the Roman empire that's where we believe and and like i'm a soldier in one unit and you're a soldier in another unit and i would have a coin that represented my unit and we would talk about it because we'd share that coin but even in the military today in, in the marine corps if i go and i evacuate an embassy in albania for example which i did we'll get a commemorative challenge coin and then if i'm sitting in a bar bob because you're down here and you're sitting next to me and i pull out my coin out of my pocket because i find out you're military also if you don't have your challenge coin well you're buying drinks, but the most important thing that happens is 
it starts a dialogue and conversation. So think deeper into the coin. The coins create a dialogue. They create a conversation starter, just like you're curious about it. Yep. Um, it, it it's not cheap. And people are sick of eBay. Yeah, true. They're tired of them. Yeah. So what what do you aim to get out of it at the end of the day? You, you, you get introduced to a whole bunch of um, entrepreneurs that you didn't know existed, and you get introduced to a whole bunch of investors that you didn't know existed and you get in get introduced to a whole bunch of corporations that you know are interested in looking at new products or new inventions is that is that sort of summarize it uh for us actually there's really not a lot of value the value for us is giving awareness on what we're fixing you know we're trying to build a a large we're going to be unveiling this at the event a large smart city that focuses on execution where there's labs there's an advanced school there's a research and development hotel and people can come and create and we cultivate the resources that can actually when you bring your idea in uh there's a system in place on how early stage funding happens but look at us as, as our our interest and in, in why we produce this event is not for deal flow we're not interested we don't need to meet the investors we already know them we're not we've never raised money just so you know we brought our company from zero to multi-million dollar without a single investment from the outside from hard work the way entrepreneurs should do it and that's what we want to educate um so our interest is more for our future future plans and most importantly is is arizona as a whole i reside here and this is one of the most broken entrepreneurial markets in the entire country um they, we had, we have had zero venture capital in Arizona this year, zero. And we're, we're in the top five largest markets in the country. I want to solve that problem. I want to make a difference in the community, to be frank. It's too bloody hot. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. I'm sure you've heard that before. So yeah. if somebody yeah. wants to register to attend, they go to, or, or can they? Or they have uh, to be invited by somebody. So right now you have to be invited, but as of January, it'll, there'll be a pre-release. But if you go on the event website, just look up kadima.ventures, K-A-D-I-M-A dot ventures. uh, And then you can put forward slash events in there and you'll see a little tab that says all the information is there about the event. uh, And then you'll see a tab that's going to go live in a little while to get tickets. Uh, But I would also just follow us on Twitter, follow us on all the social platforms. We're not big social, but we're driving social. We're going to be giving gifts away. Um, you know, we, we sponsor things like the Fiesta Bowl, the Waste Management Open, some of the largest events out there. We're going to be giving people and doing different award programs for people to get involved um, with with us and, and win tickets. So there's going to be a lot of different ways. I would just, you know, try and follow us because that's where it's all being released. I think it's an absolutely brilliant idea. And uh, I'd love to be there this year, next year. And uh, since my radio network's down there, I could do the show, perhaps do the show from there. So, uh, Tim, we'd love to help you set that up. We'd, we'd love it. Tim, thanks very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. So to contact Tim and to find out more about Kadima Ventures, that's K-A-D-I-M-A, go to Kadima, K-A-D-I-M-A, dot ventures. It's a great website. You'll find out a lot. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice American Business after this short break.
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. Absolutely no bullshit business radio show on Voice America Business Network. And we're broadcasting today from Hollywood Boulevard in the technology and entertainment capital of the world, Hollywood, California. It's a bit cold tonight. I think it's a down around, it's about as cold as it gets here, but it's about um, 65 degrees or so, which is really cold. That was a very interesting interview, wasn't it, with um, with Tim Wales, Kadima Ventures. Um, that's going to be a fantastic event in Phoenix, and I'm going to be down there, and I'm really looking forward to it. And if you're, um, if you're an entrepreneur, how about we see you down there? We'll try and do a radio show from down there and um, could be extremely interesting. So that's Kadima, K-A-D-I-M-A dot ventures. And you'll find out more information. The guy's name's Tim Wales and he's super. Okay. Yesterday, we heard that Sears are almost certainly going to go into liquidation. There was a bit of movement today. Um, but um, it's still far from settled. And if Sears do go under, that'll put 65,000 employees out of work. 65,000. Now, I saw analyst figures today that predict that Amazon's cashless stores, like Amazon Go, where you go in and you take the products you want off the shelf, you put them in your basket, and as you take them off the shelf, it um, debits your credit card. So um, no cashiers, you just walk in and out, and there's no people in sight. Now, Amazon's cashierless stores could be a $4.5 billion business by 2021. And that will also mean that thousands of cashiers will also be out of work. So um, a hell of a lot of people are losing their jobs and it's hard to see how we've had a few months of really good figures, 320-odd thousand new employees last month. But when you're losing them 65,000 at a time, it probably won't take long before that trend is reversed. Now, not only are Amazon's new cashless and cashless stores giving traditional convenience stores a run for their money, new research suggests that Amazon Go is already far more profitable than your local 7-Eleven or convenience store. Now, based on in-person tests and data collection, Analysts at RBC Capital found that each Amazon Go store generates an estimated $1.5 million in yearly revenue. And that's 50% more than your typical corner shop. 
So that's a hell of a lot, isn't it? 1.5 million, 50% more than your typical corner shop. So how long will it take before all those typical corner shops go out of business? Now, Amazon opened its first Go store in Seattle less than 12 months ago, and it's added eight more locations since. And there's a ninth location being constructed in New York City as we speak. But this is just the beginning. Amazon's planning to open as many as 3,000 new Go stores in the next two years. That's like 20 a week, which based on RBC's report would mean that the Go stores could become a $4.5 billion business in just two years. Wow. So while cashierless stores may be more profitable long term, there's a big upfront investment in setting them up and it's much greater than the regular convenience outlets. The first Go location cost more than $1 million in hardware alone, which according to Morgan Stanley, means that Amazon would need to shell out close to $3 billion for hardware alone to create 3,000 cashierless stores. So that's $3 billion. Of course, Jeff Bezos and Amazon would not even miss a lousy $3 billion, would they? So I think you can bet that there's going to be 3,000 Amazon Go stores. Probably that means six or 9,000 cashiers will be out of a job. And uh, retail will change. Now, a Dutch court has just rejected Emil Rattleband, I think that's how you pronounce it, request to reduce his legal age by 20 years from 69 to 49. So he went to court to get permission to reduce his legal age by 20 years. He went to court arguing that he didn't feel 69 and saying his request was consistent with other forms of personal transformation, which are gaining acceptance around the world, such as the ability to change one name, one's gender, and even one's appearance. So if I can go in and change my name from Fred Smith to Bill Brown, and I can change my gender from male to female or male to neutral, and change my appearance so that I don't look anything like I used to, why can't I change my age? Well, it didn't work. The court said that the law assigns rights and obligations based on age, such as the right to vote, the duty to attend school, and the right to drive. And if Mr. Rattleband's request was allowed, those age requirements would become meaningless. It would also cause 20 years of records to vanish from the register of births, deaths and marriages and registered partnerships. And as you can imagine, this would have a variety of very undesirable legal and societal implications. However, he could consider himself 49 if he wanted to. And having seen a photo of what the guy looks like, I'd also recommend that he undergoes extensive plastic surgery first because he looks every day at 69. Now, remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. 
It's easier and more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Anybody can do the ordinary. Anybody. There's billions of them. And if you're always trying to be normal, you're always going to be boring. You'll never know just how amazing you can really be. Now, I hope you'll join me again next Tuesday when I'll again be broadcasting from our studios on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, where technology meets entertainment. In the meanwhile, have a great week. Continue to be successful because the alternative to success really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.